When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Week Den Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies presented by the Grizz Den Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. I think I know the answer to this question, but how's it going, John? <laughs> uh, not going well. I was, I was about to say maybe we should rename this the We Watch the Game So You Don't Have To podcast, maybe, um, because that is definitely the way this week felt. Um, it, it, uh, Unfortunately, uh, all three games were not 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 fun. So the Grizzlies are three and thirteen. That's fourth, or excuse me, fourteenth in the West. Shockingly, we're not last in that category. Twenty seventh in the NBA. We are 29th in offense with one hundred and six point seven rating. Nineteenth in defense with one hundred and fifteen rating. That leaves us twenty sixth in net rating at a negative eight point three. So John, there's somebody get... actually worse in offense than us. It's isn't that shocking. It's, it uh, is amazing. It's the Blazers, isn't it? Is it the Blazers? I believe. I think so. they're the thirtieth. Yeah, I believe so. Let's get to our who's up and who's down. Uh, not a lot of who's up here, but I've got Marcus Smart in this category. There's a clip going around social media from the game uh, today. By the way, recording Sunday night after the Timberwolves game, but there's a clip going around. And it's Marcus Smart uh, yelling at our bench uh, near the end of the game, basically saying uh, this is bleeping embarrassing and uh, continue to use more language of that nature, basically calling out the team, uh, not necessarily for losing, but for playing lethargically, not playing with any passion. He basically said he was saying, you know, people are paying to come and paying to come and see you play and you give them this product. And so uh, Marcus Smart was brought in here not only for his um, his on-court skill, but also his off-court leadership. And I think this is a prime example of what a veteran does when things are, are going poorly, which uh, needless to say, things are going that direction for the Grizzlies. So that's my who's up. Who's your who's uh, up, Kraft? My who's up, uh, this is probably the saddest who's up ever. My who's up is former Grizzlies because we played three games this week. We played the Rockets uh, against Dylan Brooks, who did not have probably one of his greatest games, but his team killed our team, and so that was great. Also, Jeff Green, former Grizzly, had some good plays as well. Uh, Then we went on to play the Phoenix Suns, uh, and the Phoenix Suns also, uh, I'm trying now, hold up the T Wolves. I know for sure. Yeah. So, sorry. I knew that I knew there was somebody Phoenix Suns, uh, had Grace and Allen, um, getting to come in and again, spoil and, and, and go off, um, and really outplayed Desmond Bain, which is one of the saddest things ever. Uh, and then of course tonight, uh, we had both Conley and Kyle Anderson, um, really both playing well and killing us, especially Conley. Uh, really just uh, controlled the game. I feel like he hit every big shot that he needed to. He really came out and set the tone early. Um, so a lot of former Grizz, uh, Grizzlies, and honestly, even even De'Anthony Melton actually hit some clutch threes for the 76ers this week in the last minute. Uh, so it just, it, it is, uh, when it rains, it pours for sure. Um, throughout all the cliches, uh, it is bad. And so my what's up is former Grizzlies because it seems like all the the Grizzlies that they've moved on the last two three years had um, good weeks against us or against their opponents. My who's down. Uh, obviously, there's way more problems than this, but the three point shooting in the last week has been particularly awful. Twenty two percent against the Rockets, twenty seven percent against the Suns, 
and another 27% uh, today against the Timberwolves. And honestly, that 27 has to do with some fourth quarter magic here, bringing that up because, I mean, it was 16 for most of the game. Yeah. Uh, so three-point shooting has been really one of a myriad of problems, which speaking of uh, multiple problems, Kraft, what are your who's <laughs> downs? <laughs> I have a top five who's down. So uh, if you haven't noticed, I mean, I'm smiling right now because I guess that's what I do when I'm sad as well. Um and uh, if you'll notice, this is going to be a tone shift for me a little bit uh, this week. Uh, maybe some of y'all are like, finally. Maybe some of y'all are like, I can't believe uh, that I'm I'm losing the positivity. But I actually, I felt so bad, I began to craft a top five who's down list. And uh, and I, it's, it's in no particular order. All five of them are terrible. Um, but just since you went ahead and said three-point shooting, I'll throw out number five. Uh, I'll count up, which would be uh, scoring. So that goes along with your three-point shooting. Um, the scoring is just, it's terrible. We've we have gone three games. We haven't uh, gotten close to 100 points. It's pretty, um, It's I mean, it's really depressing when you look around the league. Almost every NBA game has somebody scoring, you know, two teams scoring 100 plus. We've gone three straight games, not getting the triple digits. I think three-point shooting has a lot to do with that. And, and what's worse is, I mean, we played a really good defensive team tonight. Uh, but we, but a lot of them were open. I mean, we had a lot of open shots even against the T Wolves tonight uh, that we just missed. I mean, really open. And so that's 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 a pretty frustrating thing to see. So that's that's one. Uh, number four is what I would say is uh, second quarters. Second quarters have been terrible. You've already kind of talked about this some, um, but we are getting killed in the second quarter. I think you know we have the worst net rating. I think in the second quarter in the NBA. Uh, it's continually a problem. We really struggled to even score 20 points in the second quarter. The one quarter we did score 20 points in of the three games this week, it was against the, the Phoenix Suns, and we scored 22. The problem was uh, the Suns scored 33, and we gave up a 14-0 run uh, going into halftime, uh, which you know was a one-point game, 49-48, and then we look up, and, uh, and it is 62-49, I believe. So it was a 14-0 run to end the first half, um, and really, we never really recovered from that. And so every game, it seems like the second quarter is the quarter that really kills us. Um, so that's four. Number three would be uh, would be season ticket holders. Uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, this is the first time the Grizzlies franchise has ever started 0-8 at home, and that goes even back to the terrible Vancouver days. Uh, they have never started the first eight games uh, with eight losses. Uh, I'll say, as someone who's been to um, <laughs> half of those, or four of those games, uh, it is really sad. I've actually gotten to see us almost beat the Celtics and almost beat the Nuggets, um, and honestly, almost beat the Jazz. Uh, all three of them had chances, uh, had leads within the final few minutes or chances to take the lead. Um, and then of course, tonight was the first blowout, um, from kind of start to finish that I witnessed. Uh, but it was so bad tonight. Um, the two of my, uh, season ticket friends who sit to my left, they left at halftime, um, and they were out and, uh, it was definitely, uh, I, I actually appreciate the crowd made a little bit of noise in the second half, but it was really sad. I was telling y'all that they didn't even do the normal fourth quarter super grizz. Everybody get excited. Uh, they just scrapped it because the mood was so bad. I mean, they tried to do the dance cam a couple times. Nobody was dancing. It, it, it was bad tonight. Um, Anthony Edwards has already come out and said that he never thought he would he would hear the uh, FedEx forum that uh, just that not into the game that apathetic. So. It's pretty bad. Uh, my number two uh, would be, honestly, and I, I've, been, I've defended them, and when we get into the news and notes, I'll talk more about it because I do think there's some defense a little bit. But our big two, uh, Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain had a horrible week. All the caveats, I know Desmond Bain uh, is playing with a bum ankle. I know Jaron Jackson is, is really, honestly, having to do everything on defense uh, with – all our defensive player, him getting having to play with really poor different, uh, perimeter defenders all the time, um, him doing everything on defense, and then also having to try to carry offense, also seeing two or three people at all times, no spacing because uh, because obviously you already mentioned three point shooting. Uh, at the same time, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough for Jaron and Desmond uh, to not score twenty points for three straight games, basically, and just to not to miss layups, uh, to miss open jumpers. Um, 
like I, I get it. They're they're tired. They're struggling. They're they're down. Uh, but the two of them need to be better, and they just weren't good enough this week. So that who's down? And then my final number one, uh, which I don't know if this is multiple times, but Zaire Williams. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't at this, I I am at a point to where I don't think he should play again. I think he should get traded. And I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd love for somebody to be able to come back with receipts on me. Uh, I'm out completely on him. There's really nothing that he can do to bring me back at this point. I'm totally done with him. Uh, he he comes into the game and we begin to lose. I, I look at and think that he is probably one of the number one reasons uh, why we have our second quarter, is, quarter issues. Um, it's just really frustrating. He is. Um, I think I joked about Derrick Rose uh, being the Shelvin Mack and apologies to Derrick Rose and honestly apologies to Shelvin Mack at this point because at least Shelvin Mack ran a team. At least I felt like he was there and for it. Um, uh, I just, I'm told I can't be more down on Zaire Williams. I cannot believe that I should, Taylor Jenkins could be down just for playing him for not for eight and a half minutes in the second quarter uh, to which we had a five point lead balloon out to like 20 something um, I don't understand. We scored eight points in eight and a half minutes in the second quarter with Zaire Williams on the floor. Uh, I think that is very related. Um, we scored more points in the final three and a half minutes of the quarter with him off nine than we did with him on the quarter, uh, them, him in the quarter for eight and a half minutes. Um, I don't know what you want to think about any of those five. Uh, but, uh, but those are my five, uh, what's downs, the scoring, um, our the second quarters are big to season ticket holders and then Zaire. Yeah. I mean, gosh, where, where to even begin with this? I mean, you got Zaire was a minus 28 the other night. It, it is just, it, yes, you, it's untenable. You can't possibly give me a reason why he should be on the floor even in the debilitating nature of what this team is facing in terms of injuries, it doesn't make sense anymore. To me, I don't know how much more you need to see from him. Typically, when players in this scenario are thrust into minutes that they wouldn't normally get afforded, you see at least some semblance of progress and to me, every time, save for his rookie season when he was playing with um, a team that now looks pretty ideal uh, for his role, you you've seen just taking you've seen steps back every every single time, and it's almost like he starts strong, and then two to three games in, you start to see old habits come back. And to me, there's there's no more rope left. I don't know how much more we have to basically say, oh, in this perfect scenario with these guys on the floor, Zaire Williams can work for most of the time. Like that's not what you need anymore. It's the excuses are done. I don't care when he was drafted. We have to take that completely out of our heads when evaluating him. I don't know if the team looks at it that way because typically when you're running a front office, you want your high gambles your high-risk gambles to pay off and you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that they're afforded every opportunity for that but yeah I don't like I honestly don't like to me we are moving to the phase of the like you're saying the who's down should from this point forward be either Taylor Jenkins or the front office if we see another minute of Zaire Williams on the floor because I know what we have in him like I've seen enough I was out last year and here we are again and even yes do, do uh guys around him uh like david roddy or jake laravia or vince williams have their flaws yes but i never question that they have at least the competitiveness to go out there and make some plays and also you see flashes i i don't see flashes from zaire yeah he might make a he might like for instance the other night i texted y'all and said I hate that he scored 13 total points because box score watchers are just going to go look up the Rockets game or what the Suns game. I don't even remember which one it was where he had 13, but had played so, so bad 
the the entire way except for garbage time. I guess it must have been the Rockets game. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I'm completely he, out. He of did the same thing. Point. He did the same thing tonight. Like like that second quarter, it was pathetic. He was horrible. We couldn't score with him on the floor because basically he doesn't get guarded. He turns the ball over and then he's bad on defense. And and yes, he scored a few buckets in the fourth quarter when we were down by twenty something, and the T Wolves took their foot off the gas for a little bit. Um, we got back to twelve, and they called timeout, put on all their good players, and said, and then they immediately went on a big run. And and so like you you know when it was actually an intense game, Zaire didn't do anything, and that just happens over and over and over again. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like just what you're saying, you know. Like I know Vince Williams can play elite defense, and I, and and so and I think his three pointer is probably just as reliable as Zaire's at this point. You know I know that Roddy is going to play physical. He's going to hustle. He's going to get the hustle points. Um, you know, I, and, and we don't know about Jake Laravia uh, yet, but I, but I know that at least he stays in front of his man defensively. He seems to have a little better of an IQ. I mean, we're still waiting on him. But like you said, I mean, it's we're done now. I mean, this is you have to eventually no longer. Oh, he's a top ten pick. No, I mean he he's probably a bust. Uh, I mean, that's what it looks like. He is in the Wiseman camp. Of it's time to move on. And honestly, we drafted another guy in that draft, Asante Aldama, who's way better, showed a lot more flashes. And again, can be frustrating as well, but he's shown enough flashes to give him that rope because he can go out and do some things. Zaire's really, I mean, it's really sad because he looked like he had some stuff. And I bet Jaw comes back and Zaire probably looks good in some transition buckets running up and down the floor. And maybe, you know, and maybe that's somewhat can get his trade value high enough to trade him. But, like, he definitely doesn't need to play until Jaw comes back. And maybe if Jaw can get transition going. But even then, I'd rather give it, let other guys play that can do other elite things in the NBA. Agreed. Um, I have a couple of things just to get us, get the table set for our news and notes. Uh, Number one is, uh, I've said it a couple of times on our text, but losing is so contagious. And we're at the point in the season right now where it's almost you you step onto the floor expecting to lose. And we saw Marcus Smart try to do his best to to shake up that mindset tonight. But that's how that's how that's how it is right now. And we have the data to back it up. You mentioned the second quarters. Yes, worse than the NBA. Right now we have a minus twenty two point eight net rating in second quarters. That's thirtieth in the league. So last in fourth fourth excuse me, first quarters. We're at a minus 12.7. That's 26th in the league. So you add those two things together, minus 35.5 in the first half thus far in terms of net rating in the first and second quarters. We're coming out. We're getting punched in the mouth. And, yes, third and fourth quarters are positive, positive 5.5, positive 0.8 in the fourth quarter. But it's never enough. Those numbers don't add up to being neutral or even close to neutral. But we, we so far, when you have a record like it is, you start to believe that no matter what the talent is on the floor, uh, teams are going to make all their threes because that seems to be the, the trend right now. Um, if you, no matter what your best effort is, when you put it forward, at the end of the day, you're going to end up on the losing side unless you're playing a team that happens to be worse than you. And right now that's like two or three teams and the Trailblazers and the Spurs, which happen to be two of our wins. And it's just... It's one of those things, too, the fan base starts to get infected as well. It's just this is what losing feels like, and we're experiencing the thick of it right now. Um, we have sort of light at the end of the tunnel when Ja comes back, but the problem is is that it's not going to be any sort of postseason light at the end of the tunnel, in my opinion. Like You look at the stats right now, and teams that start at the win percentage that we have this far into the season, I mean, it is you're talking decimal points for – uh, making any sort of playoff noise. Uh, we have the play-in to maybe reach for, which is the 10 seed. But, I mean, we're, we're talking right now about um, getting back to basics. I'm sure that's what the coaches are are preaching. It's like, let's completely throw out the wins and losses. Let's throw out the, the, the aspirations. Let's throw out expectations. And let's see what we have just in, as individuals and as a team. Uh, do you have enough pride to go out every night and compete, which is the buzzword that Jenkins always uses, but that's what you have to, that's what you have to preach right now. Um, but it's going to be, you're going to see, I mean, we've already seen it this week that there's just this, this, the lack of talent because of injury, 
is and and potentially some other draft pick busts that we just talked about. But that lack of talent is leading to a mentality that is leading to actual results. And I believe in the idea that no matter what you're going to put on the floor, if you have that mindset, it's going to lead to uh, it's going to lead to losses, which we've seen. And so I I just feel like we're in that contagious mindset. And right now, everybody's looking ahead to December nineteenth. And I hate to break it to everybody, but that's still three weeks away. I'm not saying don't watch the Grizzlies, but right now it's becoming harder and harder unless unless we see some some breakthrough. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's just where we are right now. And I'm, I'm having to be realistic about it. No, no. I mean, I think. The, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge culture guy. I mean, I, I think that that is what's happened. I mean, we have uh, earlier in the season. I think we overperformed. I mean, we. Santiago Dama hits a three, we beat the Celtics. You know, the Nuggets, we almost caught them, missed a couple shots to go up. You know, you had the Jazz game where, like, a couple bad a couple bad refing calls go a different way. Uh, you know, we might have pulled that game out. And, and then maybe we're looking at a little better schedule. Maybe we start to feel our, feel better about ourselves. But right now, it's just everything's going wrong. And, and it's kind of like you're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding. And I feel like this is the week when it's just basically you let go of the rope. And... Um, and we had it for three quarters. We grinded with the Rockets. And then honestly, uh, the Rockets had a Jalen Green who like is a really great talent who can just get hot. We have we have a couple of those guys too, but Jalen Green just got hot and we didn't have anything to counter that. And so we ended up getting just letting go of the rope of the fourth quarter. And then honestly, the last two games, we have just not come out with the right effort. I mean, the, the Suns game was very winnable. Uh, that's what was so frustrating about it. I mean, people will look up and be, oh, the Suns beat us. You know, that's expected. No, not not when it's just Devin Booker uh, without a Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. And honestly, they didn't even have some of their better subs like Eubanks. Um, and and they all have minimum players. I mean, it's like us. I mean, they're basically like us, except we have two good players and they only had Devin Booker. And, uh, you know, and we just did not come out with the right effort. That was the first that was the game that broke me as far as my positivity. Um, and I realized, oh, we got to, something's going to have to really give, there's going to be some big changes. Something needs to happen because we just, it's the first game where I've seen since in the Jenkins era, uh, you know, where we came out and it just felt like we weren't trying and it wasn't, you know, a party the night before or something, but like, uh, that we just didn't bring it. And then tonight, like Jenkins had to call two timeouts in the first four minutes of the game. Uh, he called a timeout with 55 seconds into the game because we had two, two, uh, the first two possessions by the T-Wolves, we had defensive breakdowns. And uh, it just, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, it is it is contagious. Uh, we are feeling down for ourselves. And honestly, you know, and, and people will get on to Jaron, and I know I know our other Grizzden guys, and they'll get their chances uh, in a podcast to – but for a second, and, I, and he was – Jaron is one of my who's down, uh, the, the, him and Bain. Uh, but I'll say it, it is so eerie, the reminder of Mark Gasol, of, of – uh, ripping his jersey of him basically uh, being distraught the year of the Shelvin Mack of him just him him staying in when the other starters went to the bench and him trying to get this bench unit to win or do anything and it just struggling again and again and again and it just breaks you I mean it really does and I saw Jaron was so frustrated he he missed some layups he got really down um, um, Jaron's in his head big time. Big time. And I don't even know. I mean, part of me wonders if that Marcus Smart speech was a lot about him. Um, I don't know. But, uh, but I would expect so. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's and, and I'll say this. He's still playing really hard. He's still playing really good defense. But offensively, he is really down on himself. I think um, defensively, he was really frustrated. He's starting to get frustrated at other players. Um, for not being where they're supposed to be. I know Bismack a couple times um, he got on to uh, as well as uh, as well as Zaire shocking um, for just missing assignment, you know, for just not switching when they were supposed to switch, being in the wrong place, leading to wide open threes. Um, so, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff. And I do think there is this hope with jaw um, that when you have a superstar, it just it it takes the load off of everybody a little bit. Um, Jaw is obviously the reason why he's a top ten NBA player is because he makes everybody better. Um, and I do think that some of that, and obviously, you know, I mean, the thing that we do have to take a step back and realize is of our expected rotation. Um, and we knew Brian Clark was going to be gone most of the year, but you know, September 
of our expected rotation now, we have what, like two of our eight or nine guys that we're expecting? And we we were all talking about who is going to be the one out of Zaire, Conchar, Laravia, Roddy, um, Tillman. Like who is going to be the one or two bench guys that like make, you know, kind of you know, come out, have a, have a coming out in some ways. And we're playing all of them. All of them are having to play. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I could have put Jacob Gilliard in the who's down because obviously this was a week that reminded us, this is why the guy's a G league point guard. He's not like he had a great one week for us. And honestly, that's been our secret sauce. The last two, three years is we can put our end of the rotation guys in for, for a couple games here and there and our culture and the, and our confidence, and like you were saying, the contagion of winning had these guys playing above themselves. But we never had to play them for multiple games and for 20 to 25 minutes and 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 asking them to make clutch plays like we are now. And you're seeing that. It's just you're seeing that they're not, uh, you know, that uh, we're playing just a lot of not NBA-level people, uh, a lot of minutes, and it's it just it's really hard to win. And, and it's been really hard because I think we've had some games where we played really well, could have won them. And we just didn't, we like, we're having one of those years where we also are just losing all the coin flip games too. Um, and that's just, just really, really hard. And the reason, like you're saying that all this is happening ultimately is because everybody on this roster who isn't hurt is being elevated to a role that they're asked to occupy that they have increasingly shown us that they can't occupy. And you're seeing, so let's start at the top. Desmond Bain is now asked to become this Grizzlies team's offensive superstar. And without sacrificing his, uh, you know, average to above average defense on the other end. And you're seeing at, at least now 16, 15, 16 games in, starting to slow down. Who wouldn't if you're at being asked to do all that Desmond Bain is doing? Uh so he's asked to be the, the superstar. You have Jaron now, who's asked to fill in that secondary scorer role while maintaining the defensive player of the year uh, you know, status without yeah. the help around him defensively. Maybe Bismat Biombo uh, at times. We'll get to him in a second. But Jaron is now being asked to be the number two guy on offense, which mm-hmm. he's not. Like we have seen now, he is not. The the, the analogy or the comparison to Marcus Saul is is apt, uh, but Mark was also more of a facilitator. He was able to you know get that ball at the high uh, mm-hmm. post and elbow and and at least try to direct traffic. Jaron is more of a play finisher. He's going to be your cleanup guy, uh, maybe third or fourth option at best, in my opinion. He's asked to be number two, and now you get to number three, which is you know you want somebody who can fill in the gaps for what your top two aren't. And who's going to do that? I mean, Steve, we had Steven Adams in a past iteration, and we have now Bismack Biombo replacing a part of that. But think about that. The third name I just mentioned is Bismack Biombo. You were going to have Marcus Smart, who's going to come in and actually be the point guard slash uh, perimeter defender. You don't have him anymore. You, have, you, you then need like a shooter who's going to be able to kick out to, and Kennard's that guy normally. He's out for another week to week. Uh, you have your athlete off the bench who's going to replace you, be your first front court sub, Brandon Clark. He's out. You just you go down the line. Let's say you and I were to do, let's say, like a draft of this Grizzlies roster if fully healthy. I'm six of the top nine players we would choose are all out right now, and so yeah. it's twofold. It's the injuries. You don't have a full team right now. You literally are playing the Memphis Hustle right now as most the majority of your roster it should be on the hustle basically and you're asking them to fill in roles right now uh at a team that should be we're not asking them to be elite level we're asking them to be an average team like i would be happy with 500 right now given this roster but it's it is not possible like we are seeing right now this week the breaking point of this is just not possible with what we have and so that's where you get into questions that I believe are a lot of people are asking more existential level questions about beyond this year. I genuinely believe that this is a one year problem, but yeah. the culture issue of it all could could bleed over if you let it. And so that's where I'm 
now wondering how this team is supposed to respond over the course of the next three weeks. Like it's going to be incredibly difficult because you are like for all the reasons we've listed, you are not going to be favored. You might be favored in one game and that's the one coming up on Wednesday at home against the jazz who are one of the other teams near the bottom and that's it. And so what are you going to do? By the way, Jaron and Bain haven't missed a game yet. And they're probably yes, going to have right. to miss a game. And, and, and honestly, true. Bain probably should have missed the last two. Like, like I, there is no doubt in my mind, if this was the last two seasons, Bain would not have played the last two games. I, I mean, yeah. like, if, if we were if we were eight, if we were around 500 right now and uh, we Bain would have sat out at least one of these last two games, probably both of them, um, because you can tell he's laboring. And honestly, I mean – Part of, and you're just talking about like both of them, like like Bain has to be Dylan Brooks right now because we don't have Marcus Smart anymore, and he has to be John Morant. <laughs> he has to be both those guys. And by the way, he's our only Luke Kennard. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it is. I mean, it's brutal. And that and so what you look up and it's like, yeah, he doesn't even have ten points uh, against the Suns because literally the Suns. You know, we thought the Lakers' defense was good playing three versus you know basically just guarding Jaron, Jaw, and Bain last year and leaving Tillman and Brooks open. Well, now Jaron and Bain are dealing with two, you know, five people guarding two. And and it's it's really bad. And I think that is, there is a lot of culture stuff uh, that the Grizzlies got to figure out. And and that is, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, obviously people are going to be like, of course you're, you know, like, because I, I do think we're fully healthy, a contender, um, I think one thing that maybe this year is showing us is that uh, we've got to like give up on our youth completely and start looking at like it just that we might be in that place where it's time to get rid of some of the youth and and honestly bring in more of the Bismack types who are just veteran guys who can fill in roles well when we need them. Um, you know that that's that that's probably more where we are, and you know we'll see. I mean. You know, because like you look around the league, like even the Nuggets, uh, the Nuggets are starting to struggle because right now they have a lot of bench that's young, and and they have Jamal Murray getting getting injured, and now Jokic is kind of having some injuries, and MPJ has kind of had to sit out, and all of a sudden they're playing a lot of rookies and young people more, and they're they're struggling to win games. They're still obviously elite. They're probably they're the West best team in the West. I think I think they're still better than the T Wolves, but uh, but it's really hard. Uh, to to rely on the back end of your roster, especially when the back end of your roster is really young, and um, and it might be that we're going to have to go more in the minimum vets on kind of what the Phoenix Suns did um, going forward. But I think there is some clarifying things that are going to happen. And I mean, you know, I mean, if we look up in January first and we have Jaw and we have Marcus and we have Kennard back playing, and honestly, even if we have Tillman back, I think we're going to look really different than we look right now. And I think. And I think when you look at the season, is it a lost season? It might be. I, I think we're getting to where we're digging ourselves too, too big of a hole. Um, unless unless really there's five other West teams that decide to suck so bad we can get that 10th. But, uh, but I do think that this is a time for us to see, are we good? So we want to talk about tanking and all that stuff. I mean, I, I have to, like, just for that, I mean, I think we need to say this draft is supposed to be really bad. That doesn't mean that we couldn't get it if we like won the lottery, we couldn't find a really awesome talent and maybe be helpful. But we're just we're now talking about how we don't need young players anymore. Like if anything, we probably will use the draft pick to try to upgrade our roster uh, than actually get a lottery pick. Uh, but also, that's not where we are. We need to try. We need to play with our full roster and see if we're good. Um, you know, and I don't. And you're not going to tell Jaw to sit out. Jaw's going to play all the rest of the games. And so you know, so I think. For us, at least for me, it's going to be. I want to see us recapture the magic. I want to see us uh, get some wins, go on a win streak. You know, maybe the playoffs are becoming less and less of a realistic possibility, but let's at least look like the team we expected to be at the end of the season. So then we know what to do over the summer. Um, so we never experience the way I felt leaving tonight uh, again, especially the way I felt after the Suns game, because the Suns game for me was the moment that I realized uh, that as far as postseason, this might be a lost season, but I don't think it's a lost season in the sense that we can recapture what we had. We can be a big time spoiler um, and really honestly, just figure out who needs to be on the roster next year and who doesn't. Yeah, I mean, you look at 
you know, December 19th, assuming Ja, Mark Smart, and Luke Kennard are all back, ready to go. You have a Ja, Bane, Kennard, uh, Jaron, Biombo, uh, five, or let's let's put in Smart instead of Kennard. You have Kennard as the first off the bench, and then Santi. Those are two great players right off the bench. Then you have your choice between Tillman and Roddy. Uh, and then if you want a backup, a true backup point guard, you have Derrick Rose, you have Jacob Gilliard, who can give you spot minutes. Uh, honestly, Derrick Rose was a candidate for who's up for me because he had a great game against the Suns. He was yeah. about the only player who could shoot in that game, and he's yeah. looked he's looked uh, the part of the yeah. backup backup point and, guard. And he's played, and he's played. He played fine tonight. I thought. I thought it was. I mean, his minutes were our, like his end of first quarter minutes were like our only positive minutes of the game. But, but you look um, at that. You look at yeah. that rotation that I just laid out. And to me, that's a competitive basketball team. Obviously, you you yeah. want to eventually upgrade the Biombo spot, and you also know that Smart is not a true wing; he's more of a guard playing the wing role, and so you want to upgrade that as well. But if you look at that and you think, you know, yeah, we want we want Roddy, we want Conchar, we want somebody else in that eighth man spot to look better, and you assume that Brandon Clark's going to be back, so maybe that's yeah. the answer. But Overall, that's a competitive roster that you can legitimately field here in the next month. Right. And so is there a chance that we're 3-22 and 22 when that time comes? Yes. Yeah. Like, as scary as that is to say, there is a real chance. Yeah. But you know that Ja, based on all social media up to this point, like, if anything, he retweeted something from 2022 tonight that was like, we're going to remember, you know, which side you picked basically indicating, yeah. you know, don't jump off the bandwagon quite yet. Right. Um, I'm going to remember it. So, yeah, I mean, he's ready. Yeah. He's ready to come back. The problem is, and maybe this is something we can get into unless you have another different point. I think that this NBA or the suspension levied by the NBA against John Morant, and I know you have more thoughts on this craft, but I think this is going to age especially poorly, assuming that there are no more incidents with John Morant, which we can't. You know, we can't put that in ink that there aren't yeah. going to be any more incidents. But I think you look up and you see what's happening around the league just in the last month uh, with with Draymond Green, with Miles Bridges coming back, with Josh Giddy in the last week. What's going on? And we have we don't have a resolution yet on the Giddy situation. We're not going to get into that detail on the pod here right now. But it's just it's just fascinating to to see what Ja got in terms of a 25 game suspension compared to real crimes that are being committed across the league right and uh yeah i think you're seeing what what that suspension has done to a team that was going to be one of your young marketable teams you still have plenty of national tv games this season to go where you're going to be featuring the grizzlies who likely are going to still be at the bottom of the west when they're playing uh those national tv games and and i think this was an own goal by the nba overall and is just going to age especially poorly now that we are seeing what this team is without John Morant. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I've, I'm on record. I mean, this, at this point we're going to continue. I mean, every time from this point until, I mean, I don't know until maybe we win a title. And so I lose the grudge, <laughs> but I mean, every time there's a player, I'm going to tweet out, I'm going to text, I'm going to say it on this podcast. Well, I'm just sure glad, you know, Josh Giddy didn't, you know, he might've had a sex with a 15 year old, you know, which is a crime by the way. But hey, at least he didn't dance with a gun on social media. I mean, that which, by the way, is not a crime at all. And, you know, I mean, I just think it's it's the weirdest. And I will say Harrington has come out, you know, Harrington and a few others, local media people have basically said that uh, this is more a punishment for the Indiana Pacers incident, which is the incident uh, where there was allegedly potentially a laser pointed at somebody like like an aiming uh, gun or something like that, that there was some stuff that went down maybe uh, with Jaws crew and the Pacers uh, that nobody that couldn't be proven, but that the NBA held on to. And so that this is more about like some of the other incidents all kind of adding up. But at the end of the day, this is what they said this suspension is for. Um, it seems ridiculous that uh, that when actual crimes are being committed and nobody's getting huge uh, suspensions and when uh, people are actually doing violent acts 
um, off the court with their teammates, videoed, by the way, videoed violence, as opposed to dancing with a gun. Uh, and they get very few suspend, you know, like little or no suspension. Um, and like a huge, you know, Draymond has a huge history of, uh, of violent behavior, of bad behavior, uh, and culminating in a headlock with Gobert uh, that only gets five games. Ja got 25 it just seems totally ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, and honestly, I mean, I'm like, we're both season ticket holders. It's frustrating uh, because the product would be a lot more fun. I mean, we would be able to sell our tickets if Jaw was playing, um, even if we couldn't make the games. And so all those things, it just, it does seem very frustrating. And I think it will age very, very poorly because from this point forward, everybody who gets suspended, every uh, act that's committed in some way where the NBA takes a stand, we're going to be comparing it uh, to what Jaw did. And it, it is, you know, it's it's a very frustrating thing because it does seem like it has you know wrecked the season in some ways. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, maybe this there there is a great redemption story arc coming. Um, I'm still holding out hope. Hey, we both are hoping that Jenkins could somehow pull some forty and ten or something and win coach of the year. Uh, you know, for our wagers, but we'll see. But it is it it ages. Um, it's aged really poorly, and and I think it is kind of a super own goal that just was unnecessary because I, I honestly think like, even if it was just 15 games, that would still have been a really big deal. And, but it would not uh, have wrecked the season in the same way uh, that this 25 games has. Like three and 12 would have been the start. If jaw was now coming back on game 16, uh, which this, I guess this would have been the one today. Uh, but you know, you look at three and 22, like that's, that's a completely complete season ender like three and 12 digs a a hole that's really tough to get out of but like yeah three and 22 to me is completely ridiculous uh we have a few news items to hit really quickly uh before we get into next week so uh the grizzlies were granted some hardship exceptions where they could sign a couple players we chose to sign shaq harrison and Jalen noel um with those exceptions uh noel already showed uh some pop off the bench in the game today. Um, he's going to be a crowd favorite. He can score in bunches, doesn't play a whole lot of defense, uh, but he'll, he'll, he'll come in and make some stuff happen. Shaq Harrison is sort of different. Uh, he'll be more of the defensive guard slash wing um, has pretty good size for his position. But like, this just goes to show you if we're having to even mention these names, you know, that the Grizzlies are in a really, really bad place uh, with these, with these injuries. And so I just want to mention, that we, we did sign a couple players and they're 10 day contracts. And so they're not going to be here. Uh, I would assume they would not be here for the long term. Uh, hopefully we get some of those guys back that were, they were replacing for injury. Uh, and by the way, the, the reason why we we're even able to sign these players is because the NBA had deemed the Grizzlies to be at risk of not being able to put a full team on the court, like a full uh, starters and bench unit on the floor. So that's, that doesn't show you where we are. I don't know what does. Yeah, you need you need ten warm bodies to actually even practice in the scrimmage. I mean, anybody who's played like church rec or had to uh, practice church league knows. That's uh, why you need ten people. Uh, if you only have like eight or nine on your team, then you got to find some, call some friends up to try to get get there so you can actually play five on five. And so that's where the Grizzlies are. It's pretty bad. Uh, how how bad we are. So. But yeah, yeah, the hope is the hope is that the only reason why any Grizzlies fans know either of these two guys is they come in and like do something to to win us a game um, in the next week or two. Like that is that's basically what we hope. Yeah, um, and then the last item we have on the news part of this podcast is that we have a step forward in the whole stadium funding debacle that's been going on since this summer. Uh, Fred Smith. And his family have stepped up, stepped up to provide fifty million dollars in donation to uh, the Liberty Bowl side of the equation. And so, essentially, they are uh, pledging fifty million dollars. They're also saying that it's uh, contingent upon the University of Memphis also raising fifty million, and then getting a hundred and twenty million bookmarked from the three hundred and fifty million dollar pie that was given by the state uh, in cash to renovate the Memphis stadiums. And so now the University of Memphis is looking at $220 million in their budget to renovate the this what's now the Simmons Bank Stadium. Uh, there's also some ownership that's going to be potentially changing hands as well. Right now the city owns 
that stadium and now the university in this new proposal would own it. And that leaves, if my calculations are correct, $230 million in cash from the state grant for FedEx Forum renovation. So this is a big deal uh, because this at least there's been a stalemate for the last couple of months that we haven't heard about. Meanwhile, we had an election. And so we had a potentially new uh, administration that was going to be making all these decisions. But now we have a path forward for the Liberty Bowl. And the Grizzlies, most importantly, signed off on the whole thing. Jason Wexler released a statement and said that they were glad that the project could move forward. Uh, and now they can focus on the Grizzlies side of the equation. Uh, the, the proposal initially from the Grizzlies was for a $550 million renovation to FedEx Forum. And of course, $230 million does not quite get there. And there's some other funding mechanisms that we won't bore our audience with through, you know, hotel taxes and other things like that. But the case in point is the Grizzlies side of this whole thing is not done. So we shouldn't celebrate quite yet. We can celebrate one step forward, but there's a, there's still a lot of work to be done. You got to find money somewhere. And my guess is that it's going to be on the new Paul Young administration to find this money and make the renovation uh, happen at the budget that would be considered a win-win for both the city and the Grizzlies. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing that you, the key thing you said there was that the Grizzlies signed off on it. I think, you know, it's been notable. The Grizzlies have been completely silent um, where the University of Memphis officials have been very vocal. Um, I think annoyingly so uh, for some people, <laughs> for seemingly uh, but, uh, but the Grizzlies did sign off on it, which means that in their minds, I think that, uh, they can get the rest of the funding, whether that is some combo of, uh, different tax structures or honestly, even, and, and I do think that there is some, um, uh, that you've seen from some other, other owners willing to put in 50, $75 million to help with renovations. Um, you know, I think depending on where the company stock is at the time, I think para would be willing to do that. Um, but the big thing is that they said that they sign off on it. Um, and I think that's, you know, that that's the news is that there's nothing, the, the Grizzlies publicly are not upset with this and that they are okay with it. And that to me is really all that matters and, uh, you know, I, I mean, as a Memphian, I still, uh, I personally don't know if I want $220 million. Uh, I mean, obviously $100 million of it is private citizens, uh, is $50 million from Fred Smith and matching gifts and like, hey, that's great. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if $220 million in a Liberty Bowl is worth it. Um, I've, I've kind of been on record saying I don't think that it's worth it. I don't think that... Um, I just I don't see that being a forward step of getting into a better conference. I also don't see that really affecting attendance one way or the other. Um, I think it's really about the product on the field, that the Liberty Bowl is a fine stadium. It could definitely be better. I know there's a lot of parts of it that are old, um, but you look around, there's a lot of really old football stadiums. Um, and if the teams are good, people show up. Uh, whereas, you know, again, I think FedEx Forum is, again, not just the home of the Grizzlies, but a home for concerts and other things that help business downtown. And also, by the way, the home of the Memphis Tigers basketball team, which I still believe is a much more popular sporting uh, team in the city than the football team. But all that said is, I think that's good news on that front. Um, it looks like everything's going forward. And, you know, what we want to see ultimately is whatever it takes. You know, I mean, obviously, as seen to go, I'd love for FedEx Forum to be nicer. Um, but what you want to see is, is a new 30-year lease signed. Um, in the next couple of years so that we know the Grizzlies are here through 2060. And you got to think that Fred and son, Richard uh, Smith, who uh, made comments to the, to this end would say that this donation uh, ultimately the hope is that it would unlock both the Liberty bowl and FedEx right. forum projects. And so they're the, the, the title sponsor on, on the building that is, are trying to that yeah. we're trying to get renovated here. So the hope is that they would understand the uh, the importance of the Grizzlies more than right. almost anyone, and have that capability right. to do what they think would be the smartest and best way to move this forward. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, for our listeners news. in the, uh, the rest of the state, yeah, and for our listeners for the rest of the state of Tennessee, um, feel free to also know that 
um, you, you know, that it probably will probably be coming back to the state here in the next couple of years, asking for a little bit more money. And uh, definitely if you're a Grizzlies fan, support that uh, so it can stay in the state of Tennessee. Definitely. So, as well. Um, let's quickly hit the this week's games because um, we can do this quickly because we've actually seen all these teams before. We have the Jazz at home on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're playing in Dallas against the Mavericks on Friday at 7 p.m. And then we have a back-to-back. Uh, so in Phoenix on Saturday at 8 p.m. And, um, you know, now that we're getting closer and closer to uh, – we'll talk about this more next podcast, but we have some games that we don't even know are going to be uh, – who we're going to be playing, you know, in just a, right. a week and a half or so from now because of the result of the in-season tournament finalizing the quarterfinals there. And so we're, we're going to have an additional home and away game. I know I had a couple of questions from listeners about how we calculated the John Morant uh, return, and that's how. It's because there's two games that aren't on the schedule right now that will be one home and one away. But uh, for now, what are your thoughts on any of these games coming up here? Yeah, so um... – you know, I think the the back to backs always always a problem, especially with our injury and and team issues. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I it's coming to where as far as thinking about postseason and stuff like that, this Wednesday's game is a crucial game. I mean, I feel like it it matches the Spurs the the at Spurs game earlier in the year that I kind of wanted to say was a must win, but was nervous. Definitely did not want to say it was a must win when we were down a bunch at halftime. Uh, but at this point, uh, we've played the Jazz twice. Uh, I really do think that was a weird shot variance game. And then in the second game, I mean, that was so bad, and the refing was terrible, and they shot lights out, and we still almost beat them, even without Marcus Smart and Jaron for most of the second half. So all that said is uh, – you know, as much as the Suns broke me, if we lose Wednesday to the Jazz, I really do feel like um, that is when I begin to not just like like again. It's not that oh no, we're not going to make you know the postseason now. No, I mean that's when what you're saying is I start to worry about the losing cont- is contagious. The culture. Um, do we get just, uh, you know, a pissed off Robert Paris <laughs> firing Jenkins? I mean, like, you know, I don't like that. It's just one of those games where we definitely cannot get, we cannot have a 20 point blowout loss like we have this week. Like that needs to be a competitive game. We need to win it. Um, but it needs, we need to be competitive in it. They're another bad team. Um, we should win this game at home. We shouldn't have lost both the jazz games already. Um, so in that sense, I feel like it is sort of a must win. Um, without it just getting really despair. I mean, like, honestly, if we don't win that game, I mean, it's going to be a mausoleum in the FedEx Forum for the next game. I mean, it's going to be only the diehards like you and me that would actually still get a Grizzlies game until Jaw comes back, honestly. Um, so we really need to win the Jazz game. I hope we do have a crowd knowing that, hey, this is a potential win. Um, as far as the Mavs and the, you know, Suns go. I mean, I think both of those games right now, I mean, I would have said the Suns game was a potential win, but the way we played against them with Booker and a bunch of minimums, uh, now it's going to probably be Booker and Durant and a bunch of minimums on Sunday at their place, um, you know, on a back-to-back. So I just feel like, eh, I don't know about that one. And then the Mavs, you know, the Mavs have not been playing well. Uh, I actually weirdly am a weirdo in that I think that they're worse with Kyrie and, and Luca possibly, that I actually kind of wish Kyrie had played in the first game just because he's so bad defensively. And I think that we need teams that are pretty soft defensively. So who knows? But we would have. I think we'd have to really play well. And obviously, for whatever reason, the Mavs seem to have our number. I don't get it. Um, but uh, but I, I don't have a lot of hope for either of those two games. Um, but I think we gotta, we gotta be one and two coming out of these three and hopefully the, and, and that, and that one probably being the jazz. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm marking the jazz game as a must win for sure. They're going to be on the front end of a back to back. Their shooting has been insane against us this season. And they're, they're also just not a good team. Um, and if we, and they're that, injured too. I mean, they have a yeah. lot of injury right now too issues. And if we lose that one to me, now I'm looking at, okay, how do we stagger Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson in terms of just like resting them until Jaw gets back? Because at this point, it's not worth even risking uh, health yeah. to another core piece. And, um, you know, do yeah. sign sign the two guys to another 10-day and just, just let it ride and maybe play Zaire 
uh, yeah. 60 minutes is just a punishment to everybody and him. <laughs> along those notes, I mean, along that, like, uh, Tuesday night is the last in-season tournament night, and so we'll know the matchups. And and as soon as that night's over, we will also learn who our two games the next week are. One of the uh, – if there is a silver lining to being horrible in the in-season tournament is that I believe uh, because of that we will also play two teams that potentially were not that great. I think that's right uh, in the in-season tournament as well. And so there's potential for us um, playing two teams that aren't very good um, in the, for those two two extra games that we don't know yet, and so I would definitely say if we look up and it's like you know uh, Clippers Blazers again, or maybe even an Eastern Conference team that's really bad, uh, I would definitely think about potentially resting guys on maybe that Sunday game to, for, to have them really ready to maybe win because those are two potential wins I think. Like if if they the way they said they set it up um, for how they're supposed to do it, I do believe that. Um, that those are two teams that are going to be beatable that we'll play. Um, not say they're going to beat them, but it just should be some average to below average NBA teams as opposed to a really good teams. Like we've been playing like the T-Wolves or the Celtics. And so all that said, you know, it could be strategic to rest guys for one night to kind of try to get like Bain, get some rest uh, for his foot slash ankle. Um, yeah, so we'll see, sure. but we'll know about that. And that's, you know, and again, that's why we made nine game prediction and then we'll give you our 11 game prediction, uh, you know, next weekend, um, as we actually know who the two opponents are going to be, but you know, that's, so I think one and two week is the hope. Um, I think, oh, and three week is, is then your, your three and 22 really starts to become a, a real possibility, um, at that point, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, it'll be a one and two week at least. And hey, maybe maybe we'll win a game, feel ourselves, and uh, you know, I don't know. Luca's a late scratch, and we actually beat the Mavs. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. Um, it's now time to end our podcast by crowning an MVP of the week. <laughs> um, we thought about trying to get a sponsor for this segment, and looking back, I'm glad we did not this season. Maybe we'll get one for next season. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say the MVP of the week is the listeners. If you've made it this far, you are the MVP. Um, I'm not going to be giving it to anybody else in the that's a part of the Grizzlies organization. I'm giving it to you because you're doing your part. You're putting in your work by uh, following your favorite team, by listening to your favorite Grizzlies podcast. You've made it to the very end of what had potential to be a, a, an incredibly sad episode, and some would say that it was actually sad. And so I'm giving you, the listener, the MVP, and uh, I'm hoping that this is the only one we have to give to you because I'm hoping that there's way more uh, to talk about in the coming weeks that does not involve uh, us giving, you know, accolades for just, just purely listening, but you know, you made it this far. And so here's to you. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you for subscribing. Um, John, who's your MVP of the week? (laughs) I don't know if I can follow that. I think that's, uh, I was, was, I've been trying to back around all sorts of different uh, MVPs. And so I'm just going to go, with uh, the MVPs are uh, in my section, um, you know, a couple of the people left at halftime, but I'm going to throw it out uh, to like the eight um, people that sit to the right of me. They're at every game I've ever been to um, talk, talking to the person who I share uh, season tickets with They're at every game she's been to as well. Um, they're always there. They never leave early. They are always excited. Uh, they, they got so excited when we cut it to 12, uh, tonight and and so they make me feel good about my degenerate positivity and diehardness uh because they're just they're always there they're always positive they're always excited um so i i'll throw it out to them but obviously i again second the listeners as well um i hope they have made it through uh at least i don't know this has been cathartic for me i, I was it, it was it was i was on the the uh, the tie dark timeline uh after that son's loss uh felt that um, for, for a day or two. Um, I was able to laugh a little bit more tonight knowing what was probably going to happen. Um, but, but yeah, um, the good thing is I think we're playing a very winnable game Wednesday. Um, and so if you have been checked out, if you're frustrated, if you're, uh, maybe, and maybe I'm like being masochistic here (laughs) or maybe sadistic for me, masochistic for you to throw, to say, watch the game Wednesday night. But I do think Wednesday night is a potential win for us. And I'm hoping that that with the Marcus smart and everything else, uh, you know, a response to a really horrible week as we come out with a home run effort Wednesday night, that's, that's honestly really 
important for me to see. Um, even if somehow we lose a heartbreak and all that stuff, I just want to see us be competitive, um, be in a close game, maybe, maybe even win um, on Wednesday night. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but anyway, uh, listeners are the real MVPs. I agree. You made it to the end, and we will be back with you next week. Uh, this is this is uh, just let the record reflect that Grizzlies, you broke you broke John Craft. You broke John Craft this week, and so we're going to check in on, on John where his head's at next week um, after hopefully a week that was not winless. But until then, uh, for John, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. Like and subscribe. We will talk to you next week. Then. <laughs>